Okay, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 8 to 22. Once when the king of Syria was warring against Israel, he took counsel with his servants, saying, As such and such a place shall be my camp. But the men of God, that would be Elisha, sent word to the king of Israel, Beware you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are going down there. And the king of Israel sent to the place uh, about which the men of God told him. Thus he used to warn him, so that he saved himself there more than once or twice. And the mind of king of Syria was greatly troubled because of this thing. And he called his servant and said to them, Will you not show me who of us is for the king of Israel? Where is this traitor here? Because he thought the traitor had kind of passed a message to the enemy. And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. He can eavesdrop miles away. Clearly. And then he said, so this, this, this Syrian king said, go and see where, this, where he is and that we may send and seize him. And uh, it was told him, behold, he is in Dothan. So he sent there horses and chariots and great army. And they came by night and surrounded the city. Now watch this. Look up here a little bit. I want to just, just dwell on this a little bit and then we're going to move on. First of all, it is the it is, it is the ways of God for the people of God to walk in victory, to avoid potholes, traps of the enemies. Amen. Sometimes we feel that like we got trapped. And you say, God, why didn't you save me? He may have sent people your way to warn you. His Holy Spirit may be speaking to you. And yet you're too busy to hear him. Some of us can't even hear him. But it is the will and the ways of God to always protect his own. And you know, you remember in the book of Acts in chapter 4, when the two apostles was being, the couple of apostles being in prison, and the people of Israel, the people of God, the Christians began to pray to God. And they cry out loud and they pray. And God sent an angel to release Peter and, and his companions from prison. He miraculously opened a door. The chains fell off. And I actually heard a, a testimony that came out from China from this man called the Heavenly Man. I don't know if you heard him, but read his book. And uh, this fellow was in prison. And, and, and uh, they actually were planning to uh, 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 broke, uh, break his leg. Actually, they broke his leg. They broke so he couldn't escape. And so in the middle of the night, the night, just not the night before he was being executed, an angel came into the prison door, healed his leg, opened the prison, unshackled his chain, and he walked out. He walked out of the prison broad daylight. He walked out of the prison. You know, God is in the business to rescue you, to protect you, to save you, to prevent you from falling in the traps. And that's what happened here. But it is up to us to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit in our ears. Sensitive to the Holy Spirit in our walk with God. And when God should send someone in our way that our spirit is ready to receive. And that we will discern what it is of God or not. You know, there's a lot of so-called prophets out there saying that God tells me this, God tells me that. How do you distinguish whether it's a true prophet or false prophets? The only way you can do that is that you have the Spirit of God lives in you, fill you and overtake you. And so you'll be able to understand and perceive. Okay, this is from the Lord. Because there are some false prophets out there. Lots of them actually. Oh, God told me this. God told me that. God this, that, and the other thing. 
But if you're a believer, you're filled with the Spirit of God, you're walking in the sensitive of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to show you how later, you'll be able to discern the voice of God. And you'll help yourself to avoid all the pitfalls and mistakes in your life. Now, watch this. When God should give you victory, when God should cause your enemy to be frustrated, meaning the devil, he will be sending for your life. Victorious Christian walk is never promised to be free of persecution and attacks. In fact, Jesus said that if you forsake your farm, your family, your house or your wife, your parents and follow me, in this lifetime you will have a hundred times return with persecution. Why? Because every time when God prosper you, every time when you're walking in your destiny, you will see that the enemy will be gunning for your soul. You say, why, that's so scary. I really don't want to do that. I'm just going to stay in the hole. Well, you can do that. You know, there's a saying that, you know, uh, when, uh, when you wake up, if the devil is yawning, then you are not a threat to his kingdom. Then he will pretty much leave you alone. But you will not change world, change life. You'll, you will not live in your full potential. But when you start walking in the ways of God, there will be resistance. There will always be resistance. But you stay in faith and you stay close to God. And you're going to read this. That you will have overwhelming triumph with just yourself and God. And perhaps the companions that he has sent you away. So here, the king of Syria is really mad because his plan and his purpose is being obstructed. And so he's mad. He wanted to kill the king of Israel. He wanted to defeat Israel. He can't seem to do that. They seem to have an upper hand. Do you realize that God has already given you an upper hand? Three people agree. God has given you an upper hand. You have an upper hand. You have the Holy Spirit living in you. You have the Holy Spirit, the God himself dwell in you. You have the upper hand. And so the enemy is sending this bunch of people, you know, just one prophet, just one prophet, and he sent chariots and horses. That's a bit of an overkill, don't you think? But you know, I want to tell you this. The Word of God says that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I want to tell you a secret. Do you know that the devil sees you not as you, but he sees God? And that's why when he throws a curveball at you, he needs to send horses and chariots to surround you, to overwhelm you. Because he, you may see yourself as small and insignificant, but even the devil knows that you are not small and insignificant. So when he wants to send attack, he sends horses and chariots to surround you. And that's why sometimes you feel like you're over, it's overwhelming. That's the reason why, because the enemy wants to have that shock and awe just to destroy you. Because he sees the greatness that is in you, that is God himself lives in you, dwells in you. The Bible says God lives in you. So when the devil sees you, he doesn't see you. He sees God lives in you. And that's why he wants to send big armies to, to come and attack you. And that's what happened here. Now when the servant of the man of God, not the man of himself, the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning, he went out and behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Let's stop right here. 
Do you realize that every single time when the when the enemy comes, he comes with an overwhelming force, cause you to be in a place that say, oh my goodness, how am I going to overcome this? How many of you have been to that place that you feel overwhelmed? Nothing is working. Everything seems to be against you. You go, alas, what are we going to do? This servant here, he knew that the army of Israel was really weak. He knew the army of Israel was not able to win any battle. In fact, by that time, he already been, they've been losing battles. And the king of Israel had to, had to, just, had to just go and, go and, go and give them gold, silver, just to buy off those kings, not to attack them. They're already in big doo-doo. And here, this overwhelming army surround them. Just because the men of God was walking away of God and walking supernaturally and walking in the counsel of God. And so the devil is sending an army, chariot and horses, overwhelming, just want to attack him. And so this servant of God said, oh my goodness. I know sitting in this room today, some of you are probably facing an overwhelming attack. You don't even know where to start to defend yourself, to take care of the problem. You don't know. I'll tell you, as a pastor, you know, I just, I just, I just, I hear all kinds of, all kinds of issues, problems, and challenges, and crisis in people's life. I would hear them. I would hear them telling me, and sometimes it's so overwhelming. I would sit there, and trying to intercede for the church, intercede for the people in the church, and sometimes I would sit there and say, oh God, what do we do? How, where do we start? And the Holy Spirit started to reveal to me, and I'm going to show you what it is. And every, every time when I follow that revelation, I see overwhelming victory. Amen. Overwhelming victory in my own personal life, in my own personal walk with God. And I want to tell you this, if this morning you were facing challenges, I want you to pay attention because God has a solution for you. And God wants you to see something you'd never imagine you would see. Now watch this. Elisha said, do not be afraid. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. That is the enemy. I want you to repeat this with me. For those are with me. For those who are with me are more than those who are against me. Say it again. For those who are with me are more than those who are against me. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that? Some of you say, I can't see it. I can't see it. You go back home and you got all the bills piled up. You got all the problems you have to fix. Things are leaking at home and things are, all the, you know, all the challenges are just too overwhelming. I want to show you, not only would you need to confess this, but you can literally see that those who are with us are more than those who are against us. Then Elisha prayed and said, Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. Everybody say, Lord, please open my eyes that I may see. Say it again, Lord, please open my eyes that I may see. See what? So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw, behold, the mountain was full of the horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Do you know that there are horses and chariots all surrounding you this morning? You can't see it because things are so overwhelming. You can't see it because we have been walking. We've been walking in the flesh. All we see is the flesh. And we've been blinded by our emotion. So we can't see anything. 
but there are horses and chariots of fire all around you to defend you. Some of you feel this morning, I sense it in my spirit right now. Some of you feel in the more this morning that you're all alone and that God has forsaken you. You don't know where he is. You even pray, God, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? Why do I feel alone? Where are the helps that you promised? Where are the promises that you said? Why is it I'm not getting breakthrough this morning? Well, you come to the right place because God is going to answer you that question this morning. He's going to speak to you and answer to you the things that you need to hear. Lord, open their eyes that they may see. Open our eyes that we may see the chariots of fire, the horses. They're around us all over. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young men, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And when the Syrians came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Please strike this people with blindness. So God struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elisha. And Elisha said to them, This is not the way, and this is not the city. So he's trying to fool them. Follow me, and I'll bring you to the man whom you seek. And he led them to Samaria. As soon as they entered into Samaria, Elisha said, Oh Lord, open the eyes of this man that they may see. So the Lord opened their eyes and they saw and behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. As soon as the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, My father, shall I strike them down? Shall I strike them down? He answered, You shall not strike them down. Would you strike down those whom you have taken captive with your sword and with your bow? What he's saying here is that you cannot hurt them. Why? Because they are under captive. Do you realize that you are not the one that is under captive? It is the devil that is under captive. His power is limited. All he could do is just pretend he has power. All he could do is just pretend that he is a true lion. The Bible says he's a roaring lion, but he doesn't have teeth. That's why he roars. True lions who has power and have teeth, they don't roar. They hide, they wait, they wait, they wait for the opportunity because they got power. Powerful people don't usually make a lot of noise. People that have no power, they make a lot of noise. Why? To compensate what they don't have. So the devil is very loud because the devil has no power. So he has to give you the illusion that he is overwhelming. So he goes, and Christians like, ah, run. But if you were to pay attention to his teeth, he has no teeth. Next time when the devil goes, ah, you just don't run. Just open your eyes and perceive. Man, you're powerless. You know, if you have the daring to challenge him, he has no power. You know, a lot of people are so afraid of the devil. You want to say, you know, I, 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 heard, uh, I heard a testimony uh, of, uh, of uh, 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 a preacher, you know. He was preaching in a city. And um, he was like talking about the power of God can destroy sin. And how God is going to destroy the enemy. And, and the crusade that he was holding is going to destroy the enemy. And then a preacher right beside him say, oh, I wouldn't say it so loud. And he said, why not? He said, the devil might hear it. 
This guy was afraid the devil would hear the strategy and the devil will, will, will be overwhelming. So the preacher said, the, the louder I'm going to speak because I believe the greater is he that is in me than is he in the world. So you can go tell the devil, yeah, he is defeated. Yeah, he is destroyed. Serve notice. You are toothless devil. So roar away. Roar, I'll roll back to you. <laughs> Some of you heard this story, you know, when I was growing up, um, I always, every now and then, have the experience that in the middle of the night, I would be, I'll be attacked spiritually. And what that means is that it's not a dream, it's actually true, is that I, I wake up and I felt like I'm pinned down, right? Just, just paralyzed, can't even talk, can't even move my mouth. And I'll be pinned down and it's, it's, like, it's like something is on top of me. And I was usually very afraid. I was like, oh, no, what's going to happen? And, and then it will pass. And this occurred to all my life. Every now and then in the middle of the night, you know, something is on top of me. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not a very comfortable experience, I'll tell you this much. And then one time I was, I, was, I was just going through this, and the Holy Spirit said to me, why don't you just dare him to do more? I said, are you serious? You know, I'm not comfortable here already. But anyways, I obeyed the Lord, you know, because God really knows what he's doing, you see. And I, said, I just, with every strength I have, I said, you know, because in the old days, I tried to go, in the name of Jesus, and, but if your mouth is closed, how can you go in the name of Jesus? You're trying to think it, right? It's like, you know, nothing happened, right? And, and so uh, finally, you know, it, uh, so I couldn't rebuke it, couldn't cast it out, couldn't do anything. It's just so overwhelming. And so the Holy Spirit said, why don't you just dare him? And so I, so I went and go, I said, devil, is that the best you can do? Yeah. Now, in my own natural self, I would go, oh, no, you shouldn't say that. I could hear my mom saying this, you know, don't do that, you know, don't be careful, you know. But, you know, because my mom is a very careful person. But I just, with every strength, I go, come on, devil, come on, you can do more, man. That's all you can do. Oh, such a shame, you know, just taunt him, right? And, you know, the devil hates to be taunted. He's very insecure. So I taunted him. That was the last time he ever came and bothered me. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Nothing the devil can throw at you will destroy you or touch you or move you. You have to know that. You must know that victory is already yours. Are you here this morning? Victory is already, past tense, yours. It belongs to you. So the devil is a captive, it's a, it's a captive, uh, it's, it's a, a captivated enemy. You have nothing to be afraid of. All he has to do, all you have to do is realize what's going on. Now, the problem is this. Most of us don't perceive things spiritually. Why? Because we're overwhelmed by the physical surrounding. And our spirit is disturbed, our emotion is stirred up because of the surrounding. Because we live mostly physically. We react, therefore, by physical environment and circumstance. So every time when the physical environment circumstance does not match with our faith, we get threatened when we're afraid and we run, we complain, and we walk outside of faith. But this morning, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to shift your thinking, to become more more sensitive in the spirit. I'm going to show you how later on. But turn with me to Mark chapter 8, verse 14 to 21. I'm talking about now, learn to refocus everything that you hear, everything that you see, you must refocus 
focus to the things of the spirit into the spirit world, in the spiritual realm, including, watch this, listen to what I'm saying right now to you. Because don't treat what I say as just another physical speech. Because if you just do, if you, if you treat this as just another motivational speech or some kind of physical thing or emotional thing, then you will miss it by a thousand yards. We don't use yard in this country, we use it kilometers. A thousand kilometers. You got to be careful of what you hear. You must hear it through the lens of the Spirit. Now here in Mark chapter 8, verse 14 to 21, the, uh, uh, the disciple had forgotten to bring bread. You know, forgot to bring supplies for the team. And they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And then Jesus started talking. So they forgot. They know they forgot. They know, oops, how many of you remember those times that you drive halfway and realize that you forgot something? And what you do, you have to turn back. And so it's really frustrating. And so they forgot. And then so Jesus started talking. Jesus cautioned them saying, watch out. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And so they kind of immediately connect leaven with bread. Right? It's a very natural thing. They didn't hear Pharisees or Herod. They just heard leaven. And they began discussing with one another because they're so focused on the physical, you see, the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, and said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive and understand? Why are your hearts hardened? Having eyes you do not see. Having ears you do not hear. Do you not remember? This is not what I'm talking about. If I really need bread, it would be so easy for me to produce bread. I'm just getting this commentary. When I broke the five loaves for 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? Well, they say 12. And the seven for 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They say, seven. He said to them, don't you understand? Now, if I was one of those disciples, I'll go, uh, maybe you're right. <laughs> you know, This God of miracles is not necessarily worried about supplies. Jesus never worried about supplies. And so you, the disciple of Jesus, he's trying to teach you as he tried to teach the disciples. Don't always think about supplies. Everything is not connected to your supplies. You don't get that yet. You see, every time when there are issues in our life, we are afraid, are fearful, we are afraid because everything that we perceive is connected to the provision of our life, the supplies, whether it's enough or not. We connect everything to that. That's human nature. But Jesus is trying to teach us to look beyond our supplies. Not everything is about lack. Not everything is about supplies. And Jesus is saying to them, Have I not provided enough miracles for you to understand? 
to understand, to see that not everything is connected to supplies and that I have the ability to empower to provide you if I need to. So my focus in your life is not necessarily just supplies. You see, most believers today and most religious people in general is that they worship God or their God or their idols. And unfortunately, Christian by and large, the same thing. We do that. Why? Because we want God to continue to provide. We give God offerings so that we, He can provide. Everything is connected to provision. We want Him to supply us more. When we talk about blessing, what are we talking about? Supplies. Oh God, bless me, bless me. Why do you say that? Because you want more money. Oh God, bless me, bless me, bless me, bless my business. What do you mean by that? Because you want more money. More profits means more supplies. More supplies means more security. So everything in our life is governed by supplies. This morning, I pray that God is going to change your thinking, that everything He's going to do in your life, it's outside supplies, because supplies is so basic, He's taking care of it already. Don't worry about it anymore. Don't think about it anymore. He will supply all your needs according to His riches and glory. Done deal. So every sermon you hear, everything that you do from this point onwards, don't focus on supplies. Because the more you focus on supplies, the more you worry about it. And the Bible says, be anxious more nothing. The only thing you need to do when it comes to supplies is that you pray about it and then you start giving thanks. Done with, over, move on. Come on. Because the more worries that you put on your supplies, the more you have to take care of your supplies. If you don't worry about it, he'll take care of it. The day you stop worrying about it is when he gets involved. He's going to get involved while you're worrying about it. You know why? Because he will, it will embolden your worries. So some of you have been worried sick about things. And you pray, you pray, you pray, you worry, you pray, you worry, you pray. It's almost like a paradoxical. You pray and worry. When you pray, you shouldn't worry. And yet you worry and worry and worry and worry. I want to tell you this. Until, now this is a prophetic word for you right now. Until you stop worrying, God is not getting involved in your situation. Until. So as long as you think about it, He's not getting involved. You want supernatural miracles in your life, in a certain area in your life, stop thinking about it. Stop thinking about it. You just serve God, worship Him, give Him thanks. And, I, and then another thing that I'm going to show you later, how to walk in the Spirit. You need to know, and I'm going to ask you this question. For some of you have already experienced this. Have you not experienced enough miracles in God to not worry? Yes. Have you not experienced enough miracles already in your life? Has He not come through for you with His grace to cause you not to worry? That's what Jesus is asking. Haven't you remember? I just fed 15,000, okay? 5,000 men with little. It's interesting though, if you do the math, the first one was five, five loaves for 5,000 and then the second one was seven loaves for 4,000. The first time, he has less to produce more and have left more left over. Second time, he has a little bit more 
to produce less with less left over. But it's always left over nonetheless. That's the math in the kingdom of God. Some of you feel inadequate. You have less than the others. You have less talent than the others. You have less connection than the others. You have less education than the others. You, have, you, know, you feel like you have less. That's a good news because that means God can do more. <laughs> if you have less, He will do more. You know, a lot of times we think that we need more to get more. Honey, you need less physically for God to do more in your life. So if you feel like you're inadequate, you know, some of you just sitting there and go, oh, how, I don't know why I'm using the example just coming to my head. How am I going to be able to afford to buy a home in this city because I don't have the kind of job that I can afford to live in a home that is paid for, purchased, whatever. You look at your salary, you go, that's impossible because the newspaper tells you it's impossible. But you know, the less you have, the more miracles you're going to expect. You know, the worldly people, what they do is they say, you know, you need to do work two, three jobs just to make ends meet. So they go ahead, and yeah, they work on Sundays, right? They go ahead and they just over-obligate themselves in their finances, whatever, and now they have to overwork in the weekend. You don't have to over-obligate yourself. God is faithful. Sitting in his room, there are people that have a very simple job and yet able to buy a house and get it paid for. And people say, How you sh Shandai, right? Hallelujah. I remember I used to work for a boss. You know, um, uh, his income was uh, three times my income. And um, so one night we were in a black tie dinner. And, uh, you know, we always talk about our obligation, blah, blah, and I always tell them, always, uh, you know, I don't have any, any, any debt, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And, and so we were in this black tie dinner, and, and uh, so my VP and his wife, my wife and myself, we were sitting together. And then she went, she said, I heard from someone, so that would be my husband. I have my husband that, da, 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 da. he said, can you teach us? Because we are living hand to mouth, I'm worried that he'll lose his job tomorrow and that we'll be out the street. I was like, this is the first time I heard that. I was like, wow, I thought he was a rich guy, you know, he's making three times my, my salary. What do you mean, you know? God can do greater miracles with less. Are you here this morning? God can do greater miracles with less. If you're one of those guys who think you have less, you're in the right place. God is going to do miracle in and through your life with less. Hallelujah. Come on. Now, let me dwell on this less. Some of you think you have less talent than some of the people playing up here. Mm. But God can do more with your talents than those who are talented, who are gifted, who have the skill sets. He is looking for willing vessels that are humble enough to say, God, I don't got it. You just use me, please. He will use those who are willing and willing to give the little. That boy with two, two fishes and follow-up press is very little. But he was willing to give it. So that God can multiply to feed 5,000 men. Some of us have a basket full of fishes and a basket full of loaf, and we're still hanging on to it. 
and we wonder why God can't use it. You have to give it. You have to let it go. Say, God, I surrender this talent, this skills, this money, this whatever. I surrender it to you. And he will use it. Now watch this. I'm going to show you. So the whole idea is to be able to perceive things spiritually. Then you can see the power of God at work. Then you can see what Elisha prayed for his servant to see. Is that you will be able to open up your eyes. Essentially what that young man saw was the glory of God in display. Yes or no? What Elisha prayed for. Elisha was able to see it. He's all walking in the spirit. He would see it. But this young man is like he was able to see only the physical, the circumstances, the attacks, and the overwhelming forces of the enemy. He couldn't see God. That's why he was afraid. That's why a lot of Christians are, because they can't see. I'm going to show you how you can see. Okay, are you ready? Three people. Okay, I'm going to go home then. <laughs> are you ready? Yeah. All right. Okay, let's go. Acts chapter 10, verse 44. This is a story of Cornelius and his family. So Cornelius was a, a, a devout man, wasn't saved, wasn't born again, but he was very devout, and he was centurion. He was a Roman, but very devout to the, 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 the God of the, the, the God of Israel. So he, he, he was very devout, and the Holy and so um, so then uh, one day um, uh, while he was praying or doing his devotion, God sent an angel to speak to him, saying, "You send people to." Seek out the man called Peter um, uh, at, at the house, uh, at a certain place. And because he has a message for you. So Cornelius, being very obedient, so he sent a couple of his soldiers. And they went and they looked for Peter. And so they brought Peter with him. And so Peter, of course, he was worried to be judged by his fellow Jews. So he brought a few, few companions with him so that they can, you know, uh, be his witness. So they came to this Cornelius' house. And by the way, the Jews at the time uh, are not to have any relationship with the uh, non-Jews, Gentiles. It's unclean for them to enter into the house of a Gentile. And I'm going to say this while I'm at this. Is that in the old days we were told don't 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 associate with with people who are not Christians. Be careful that their demons may jump on you or their whatever you know. But I want to encourage you if you do have the Holy Spirit in you, and I'll teach you how it is that you can see God magnified through you. If you have that, you the more you want to hang out with unbelievers, not live the way they live, but to glorify God and let them see God magnify in and through your life. Okay. So uh, anyway, so Peter uh, went, you know, still a bit uh, afraid. And so, and so now he went into the house of Cornelius. And he said, why did you send for me? Cornelius said, oh, I saw an angel, blah, blah. And so Peter started to preach. While Peter is still preaching, verse 44, the Holy Spirit fell on those who heard the word. I want you to pay attention to this right now. The Holy Spirit fell while the word is preaching. Not after it is preached and the altar call is made. I truly believe if you come with a broken heart, you want God more than ever. Like Cornelius, he desired God more than ever. You will witness the power of God unto you even when the word is being spoken and being preached. The Bible says the Holy Spirit 
fell on them. Fell on them when they heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who'd come with Peter were amazed. Wait a minute. They haven't even said the sinner's prayer yet. Have you noticed? They haven't said, God, I want to believe and get baptized. Now, there are instances in the Acts that they all believe and baptize, and then the, the council in Jerusalem sent people to teach them about being filled with the Holy Spirit. But in this instance, they haven't even experienced being born again yet. And the Holy Spirit poured out on them. And, you know, how do I know they, they, they will feel the Holy Spirit? Uh, and the believers from whom the circumcised come with Peter were amazed because what? The gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even upon the Gentiles, for they were hearing them, oh, speaking in tongue. How did they know the Holy Spirit poured out on them? Come and talk to me. How did they know the Holy Spirit poured out on them? So while they're hearing preacher, uh, that Peter is speaking, they started to speak in tongues. It'll be like I'm talking, and then all of a sudden, uh, everybody just broke out in tongues. That'd be the day, eh? Wouldn't it be the day? It'd be amazing. And not just speaking in tongues, and extolling, extolling God. Now, if you do read the Greek version of this, <laughs> I'm not a Greek scholar, but I did some research so I can tell you. Okay. There is the word "n" is not "n." The word "n" is "den." So "den" is the exact translation. In other words, they were speaking in tongues so then they could extol or they magni- they extol uh, the greatness of God. Now the word "extol" is I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm going to try to pronounce it. Megalino. Megalino means to make magnified, to make great. How many of you have a magnifying glass? Have you had a magnifying glass? How do you magnify? You know, when you put a magnifying glass, it becomes bigger. Right? Now, in other words, what he says here is that they saw the Holy Spirit on them, and then they were speaking in tongues, so then God can be magnified. Now, what does it mean God magnifies? Is it God becomes bigger? Certainly not from God's perspective. You know, God can't be any bigger than He is. Are you here this morning? It's like, oh, I'm going to pray in tongues and then God can become bigger. That's foolish. He is so big right now, He can't be any bigger. Are you here this morning? The reason He said magnify is so that God can be magnified from our perspective, from the human perspective. Some of us, when we see an overwhelming force of the devil, we are so afraid because God is this big in us. He's this big in our lives. In fact, he's so small, we can't even remember it existed. We don't even know he exists. We're just not even aware that he's around. Next time, when you are fighting a battle, you, you know, you find an overwhelming battle, would, you, would it be helpful that if you can see a big God just standing right beside you? Would it be helpful? Of course it would be. You'd feel more confident, wouldn't you? Yes. You know, uh, you heard all this story again. You know, this, this uh, uh, little guy, you know, is fighting with this bully, you know, and, and uh, the bully was going to beat him up. And, and the little guy didn't know that, uh, you know, his brother, whatever, which is much bigger, standing right be- behind him. And the bully kind of started walking away. 
And so the guy, the little guy thought, man, this is great. And so the, the, he become louder. It's like, yeah, man, yeah, man, I dare you. I'm going to beat you up. And the guy just kind of, you know, the bully trying to walk away. The bully didn't see him. The bully see the big brother behind him. But when you do have the confidence that God is standing behind you, you would dare to say to the devil, is that all you can do? Because you know greater is he that is in you that is in the world. But in our mind, in our spirit, God is that big. And that's why we're running with our tails between our legs most of the time. The devil has somehow convinced us that God is just too busy or is, he's, he's just spiritual. You know, he's just doing spiritual thing, you know. It's, it's just for your eternal life. God is very interested and very involved in your life right now. Right now. Come on. It is true. He's very interested and very involved in your life right now. But you can't see it. Why? Because we focus so much on our flesh. Now, the Word of God actually just show us this. Is that when you pray in the Spirit, in other words, pray in tongues. You know, I know this is the third week I'm harping on this praying in tongues thing. You know, I was telling uh, the volunteers, you know, there's a statistic say that you have to say it seven times before, before people get in their head and start practicing what you say. So uh, this is the third time I'm doing it. So I got four more times to go, right? I wish the people in this church who are filled with the Holy Spirit will dedicate more of your time to pray in the Spirit. I tell you, it will make a world of difference, a universe of difference when you do that. This week, we hear a couple of testimonies. You know, in the staff meeting, I was encouraging, of course, the staff, you know, we pray in the Spirit. You know, we pray in the Spirit. You know, God is going to move on our behalf. And so, uh, Brother Alex, you know, he, he shared a testimony. He was, you know, he was, uh, he was facing this, this really un, un, un cool, you know, I guess business partner you call it, you know, it's just, it's just not always, you know, very, very, very on time in paying the bills, you know. And um, in the past, he would just beg and ask and whatever. And he said, this time I decided to pray in the Spirit. And so, so this person told him, you know, like, you're not going to see anything for at least three weeks because I'm going on vacation. You know, what kind of vendor is that? So anyway, so, so he said, ah, you know, he doesn't want to do. So he started to pray in the Spirit. I said, within days or within hours or something. And he just... Two days, call him back and say, oh, we, we, we got your check. And then he went and picked up his check and the receptionist said, no, we don't have your check. Now you'll be really frustrated. I'll be like lividly mad, you know, if that's such a word. You know, what did we But instead he kept his calm and I don't know whether he's kept his calm or he's speaking tongue in anger. <laughs> but anyways, he prayed in the spirit, you know. But anyways, to make a long story short, God make the path straight for him. And he was able to get his check without begging, without asking, without screaming, without doing all kinds of human things. Are you facing challenges today? Because God that you serve is so much bigger. For him is easy. Whatever that you're facing, for him is easy. It's not a struggle for Him to get you victory. It's not a struggle for Him to intervene on your behalf. It's not a struggle. And He wants to. He wants to. He so very much wants to. He's not that. You don't even have to beg Him. You know, some Christian, the way we pray, is like, oh God, please, 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 please. As though God is singing this, like, oh, 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 it's fun to see you suffer. <laughs> pray more. Oh yeah, God. You know, that's the idea they have about God. Are you here this morning? A lot of us have a God that is so cruel, you know. He's just sitting there and waiting for us to beg and beg and, tor you know, in torment. 
He's not that kind of God. He was ready to help you even before you start asking Him. That's the Word of God. He was ready to help you before you start asking. You know, when you pray in the Spirit, there are things that you don't know of that the Spirit in you, Holy Spirit, can help you to pray. For example, some of you are, say, for example, you're praying for a job. Maybe the devil has been sabotaging your effort. But you don't know that. You don't know that. How do you, how do you pray against it of something you don't know? Well, God knows He would do it. Well, I'll tell you a secret. Long, long time ago, when He created man on earth, He ceded the authority to man. What that means is that until and unless men declare it, God will not do anything. That's why we have to confess with our mouth everything. That's why we have to say it with our mouth. That's why we have to declare it. It's important. That's why we don't want to curse ourselves saying negative things because there's authority and power. The Bible, James says that that tongue is so powerful. It's like a rudder of a boat. It can set your whole body on fire. There's power in tongues because there's authority in tongues. But how are you going to declare something you don't know? You pray in the Spirit. There are a thousand and a million things that you are not aware of that is coming against you. How do you declare? God wants to help. He can't help until somebody declares something. And the only way you're going to have victory is that you declare in the Spirit. You know, I'll, I'll tell you this. Most spiritual teacher will tell you this. Is that if you ever want to live in true victory in the Spirit, you've got to spend at least an hour praying in the Spirit a day. At least an hour. If you can't do it in the morning because we're all very busy, you know, we have to get to our coffee, our cereal, well, whatever. And then we have to rush out the door and whatever. Then throughout the day, every opportunity you have, you, you get engaged in the Spirit and pray in the Spirit. You know, the devil told me, don't talk about tongues and all that because it's Sunday morning, you're going to scare people away. I understand that. And by the way, you don't need tongues to go to heaven. Because in heaven, you already know how to speak it. Because you get there, you speak heavenly language. Some of you don't remember I said this a few weeks ago. One reason why God stopped, uh, uh, confused the, uh, the, the way that God had stopped human to build the Tower of Babel that would reach heaven. And they could build a tower that could reach heaven. And it was reached really high. And God says that we need to confuse them. Because they can do whatever they want. What language do you think they were speaking? They were speaking the same language that came out of the Garden of Eden. What language do you think Noah was speaking? Hebrew? Certainly not English. I would submit to you, and I can prove it, and I'm not the only one who say it, is that they were speaking heavenly languages. They were praying in the Spirit. In other words, when you pray in the Spirit, nothing is impossible for you. And that's why God has to confuse their languages at the Tower of Babel. Because whatever they put their hands on, they could actually do it. When you pray in the Spirit, nothing, 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 nothing can stop you. The world is in your... You, can, you will have the world by its tail. 
when you pray in the Spirit. And it is in your disposal. It is at your hand. Oh, I, pr- I know when you, you know, if half of this congregation would just listen and hearken to the voice of God and listen to the voice of God, I tell you, the atmosphere here would shift overnight. Pray in the Spirit is very important. Yes, praise is important. Worship is important. Word is important. Listen to sermons is important. That's why you're here, because I'm stirring your faith to pray in the Spirit. We go to church every Sunday because we need to get our stir, faith stirred. He said, can I get my faith stirred somewhere else? No, because the Word of God says faith comes by hearing and hearing what? The Word of God. Your faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Your faith is stirred when I speak the Word of God. And so I'm trying to stir your faith to pray in the Spirit, to get into the realm of the impossible so that you can do something. that it's, you know, you, anything that Nothing will be impossible for you to accomplish, in other words. Get into the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. I'll guarantee you this. If you pray in the Spirit one hour a day for 30 days, I will guarantee you, I'll guarantee it, I can even put a writing on, that your life will change. You mark my word. But I know this. Many of us need to be reminded and stir in our faith. I've been praying in the Spirit for 39 years. I'm 50 years old. I got filled with the Holy Spirit speaking in time when I was 11. So 39 years. Every single time, every, no exception. When I start praying in the Spirit, the devil would say, you are such an idiot. Every single time. And there would be laughter in my ears. Ah, you're a fool. You don't know what you're talking about. You'll concoct this whole thing up. You're wasting your time, man. Go listen to music. Watch a movie. Something, you know. Netflix got new movies on. Go, you know. Things like that. I had to fight. I had to press it. But once you get it rolling, for me, it's like take it 20 minutes or 30 minutes. Then I can get the... And when, once it's rolling, you just can't stop. And you're going to start seeing God move on your behalf. Things start to change on your behalf. And you go, wow, I, never, I, can't, I can't even plan this. This is so good. Even if I had tried to plan this, you know, I wouldn't have done it so well. You will see God literally move on your behalf. It's so amazing and so powerful. And God has called every single one of you who sits here this morning for that life of supernatural. To see that He move on your behalf in great victory. You don't have to struggle and count down to the enemy and be afraid of the enemy and try to talk soft, you know, just in case the devil hears you. You don't have to be afraid of that anymore. You can declare loudly, devil, is that all you can do? Because you are now able to see. Like Elisha prayed for his servant, open his eyes. Your eyes will be open. You will see the power of God. There's so much greater than whatever the devil tried to throw at you.